The music's so ethereal. Welcome, everybody. It's another Monday night, John and Todd's Monday night therapy session. I'm John. He's Todd, just in case you didn't know. Todd, how you doing? John, I'm doing well. Had a good weekend. Are you? Too fast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, outside of our beloved Huskers taking it on the chin. Good weekend. Yeah. How about you? Well, you know, in Minnesota, we start preparing for winter now. Mm -hmm. So part of the weekend is, is you know, winterizing, you know, pulling the garden hoses in, hanging them up, turning off the outside water faucets, looking at all the leaves on the lawn and seeing your entire lawn covered in three feet of leaves and looking at the trees and they haven't even started dropping yet and wondering what you're going to do with that shit. I don't know. You wait till the wind yeah, blows. Yeah, it was a good weekend. Huh? It, is that what it is? Yeah. It, they, well, you know, I, I do. I live kind of at a bottom of a slope there, and you know that, oh. and all the other people's stuff blows into mine. I do go out there with my leaf blower and blow it into the street and blow it into my neighbor's lawns, but it still comes back. I don't know where it comes from. Hello, Linda. Thanks for, thanks for always being here. We're going to start out here. I, I started a T-shirt giveaway with a, a, a thing called uh, King Sumo. And I'm putting the link right there in the, in the chat. And what you can do, I'm giving away three t-shirts. We're gonna start with that, because I'm a giver. There's this thing where you go out there, you sign up for the giveaway. I get your email address, so you can never escape me again in your life. And if you want more entries, there's different social media functions you can do. And, and we'll just see how that goes, you know? And then maybe later on, I'll give away Warm, colder weather things like hoodies like this that you know i there is the coronation the cobby with the corn i like that one better but i this one anyway i don't know okay but go out there and sign up for the giveaway and we'll give you a t-shirt or something and, and then we'll go on <sighs> nebraska versus purdue todd yeah uh quite a game in my opinion uh, watched it in Dubuque, Iowa, in the basement at my daughter's house. We went over for the baptism of Caroline, our first granddaughter, grandchild. But uh, no, uh, and what was kind of cool about it is that, you know, I was watching the game and like the rest of my family was there watching the game because there was only one television set in the house and if anybody was going to be sociable and if anybody was going to hang on to the baby or hold the baby, they had to be down there watching the game with me because I twisted my daughter's arm and said, you're a Nebraska fan. Come and sit down and watch the game with me with Caroline. And that way, if anybody wants to hold on to Caroline, they have to sit and watch the game with me. So it was kind of cool, actually. What, you know, what did the grandchild think of the game? Oh, she's, hey, she's a diehard. She is a Husky. You know, I had to indoctrinate her after her father gave her a damn O-U-T, you know, a little onesie thing or whatever. So, yeah, we, we have some ground to make up on the uh, licensed apparel. And, um, but no, she's, you know, she'll be a Nebraska fan. No question. No question about it. So Did but she no, poop hey, herself hey, like I did the game? Uh, she <laughs> pooped numerous times through the game well um, that's I'm not, it's appropriate i'm not sure that <laughs> yeah i'm not sure the game had an influence on that but uh nonetheless it did. You know, hey it was a it was a fun game to watch you know what's what's new i mean you know our offensive line uh you know nearly got our quarterback killed um the running game for the most part was non-existent unfortunately uh, the defense is Nebraska's defense, though. You know, I don't think it's quite the sieve that it was um, pre-Coach Bush taking over. Uh, you know, I think he simplified things and, you know, playing um, playing man-to-man. -man, you know, our, our guys play decent man-to-man -man coverage. You know, not great, but decent. And at least that, you know, allows um, us to have a little bit of a chance, maybe to pressure the quarterback and, and maybe a chance to, to slow down their run game. But, you know, the bottom line is, is that um, Nebraska needed a whole Purdue under 100 yards rushing if they were going to have a chance, and they did not do that. That Mako B kid, oh my he God. ran all over. Yeah. It, you know, and 
he runs like wild. I mean, it's he's all knees and elbows flying and all. Oh these my God! He, would you? That looks like the kid you never wanted to tackle in that game. Oh no! It's called Kill the Carrier now. Yeah, you know, yeah. Kill the, the guy Carrier the is the politically correct. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I mean, but, he, uh, I, yeah, he ran wild. Well, walk on. Yep. 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 I he guess. did, and and you know, hey, um, Aiden O'Connell. Holy smokes! You know he was he was spot on. That that may have been one of the best quarterback performances that I've seen against Nebraska in a few years. Um, he really did. I mean, he was spot on. Uh, made some hard, you know, some tough throws and stood back there. You know, of course, I'm not sure that he ever was was pressured or hurried. Um, but yeah, you no know, one time he was with the end of the game on that fourth down. You know what I mean? At the end of yeah. the game, when we might have had a chance yep. to get one more bomb off to Trey Palmer and just shocked everybody, he throws a perfect spiral under. It's just like, oh, my God. It was so, I don't know. It was disappointing. Yeah. Again, it's a game we could have won. Game game that could have won. I, You know, I think they surprised some people. You know, the way the game started, I, I think that there were probably a lot of people at home thinking it was going to be a blowout. Um, but, you know, they scrapped and they fought and they hung in there. And, you know, they had a chance to win the game. And, you know, I think at this point, if Nebraska goes in to every fourth quarter this year, you know, with a chance to win the game, is there any more than we can ask than that? Um, I want listen to this. This is Purdue's the rest of their schedule. Schedule at Wisconsin. Wisconsin's kind of Wisconsin got beat by Michigan State in a completely horrifying game. Then they have a bye. Then they have no offense. Iowa. Then they're at Illinois, the game that could determine the Big Ten West winner. At North or no, then they have Northwestern at home and at Indiana. It is a murderer's row for Purdue. Not. <laughs> well, I mean, like you're looking at that, that. That is Purdue's schedule. Okay, Illinois. Did you watch Illinois? I'll make Minnesota? a prediction. I did not. Pur well, Purdue I, I is have, not going to run the table. Well, I understand. No, they that. probably won't. Purdue, okay, they're not going to run Go the ahead. table. One of you know, they're going to have a loss or two between now and the end of the season. That's just the way the West is going to be, I think. Okay, Illinois ran over Minnesota. I mean, ran over them. They, I think the thing with Illinois, I, I mean, I live in a Minnesota household. You know, if we count the number of people that are fans now, it's a Minnesota household. Tanner Morgan got hurt. Uh, he got punched in the head by a guy while he was kind of going down, and I think the guy was trying to punch the ball out. But he went to the hospital. He might not play against Penn State. I don't know if it'll make, make a difference. Uh, but Illinois just ran over Minnesota. Just ran over. I they barely threw the ball well. You know, Minnesota has these games where they brain fart and then they and. Uh, so you got Illinois Purdue right now sitting at the top of the Big Ten West. I told you Purdue's schedule. Illinois has a bye this week. Then they're at Nebraska, Michigan State, Purdue at Michigan, and at Northwestern. So I mean they got uh, they got Michigan. Uh, we could go into Illinois Nebraska, but we'll save that for next week. So I. I guess you look at both of those teams and go, wow, that neither of them have like a murderer's row schedule left in the season. So uh, Minnesota, well, Minnesota, they didn't, their defense didn't do well. Like I said, Illinois ran over them and they, they didn't make that many mistakes in doing so. So it was a kind of a disappointing game. If you are a Nebraska fan or if you're a Minnesota fan, um, I don't know what else. Did you watch well, any you other know, football? Yeah, I did, but I want to talk about Illinois Minnesota, even though I didn't see the game. Okay, um, you know the 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 physical running game that Illinois has established, you know, is characteristic of Bielema, and you know that is as much uh, a mindset 
as it is anything. And, you know, when a, a team in what, just two seasons, you know, can make a, a significant change like Illinois has, um, I think that they, I think that that's pretty scary, you know, for the rest of the Big Ten West, to be quite honest with you. Um, they're going to line up and they're going to punch you in the mouth. Now, that being said, and I know we'll spend more time on this next week, I'm not going to count Nebraska out, I, you know, against Illinois. And, you know, like I said, we'll talk more about that later on. But, um, yeah, they, they, uh, they deserve where they're, to, you know, to be where they're at right now. No question. Penn State, Michigan. Yeah, were you surprised by that? You know, I was surprised at how I was surprised at how much Michigan shut down Penn State's offense. Uh, I, I work with a Penn State guy and a Wisconsin guy, and everybody lost this weekend. So, I you're looking at the Penn State fans now are really upset with James Franklin, Urban Myers being mentioned all over the place over there. Uh, I asked my Penn State guy about it. He's like, yeah, he can't win the big one. He hasn't won a big game since 2017. Everybody's pissed off at him. Uh, I was surprised that Michigan – two things. Michigan's defense shut their offense down. I think in the first half it was something like Michigan had a crap ton of yardage and Penn State had like nine yards. They have one big play and then that double doink pick six interception, which was – and then they, you know, they led for a bit 14 to 13 and then Michigan just blew their doors off in the second. With their running backs – one running back had 173 yards, and the other guy had 164. Gosh. So imagine what they're going to do to us. <laughs> well, that might be the weekend to find something else to do, actually. That's the only weekend coming up, you know, that Nebraska has that I'm sitting here thinking, oh, shit. You know, I, I think anything else, the way they've been playing with, uh, with uh, Coach Joseph, I, I think they'll – fight and scrap and well hell think about it last year they were within one score in every game you know so we'll see iowa we'll state see texas happens. yeah i listened to that one on the radio i was driving um you know iowa state had a had a it sounded like a real unfortunate call there towards the end of the game um on what um was uh a questionable referee's call on a fumble or whether they, you know, whether the guy was down or not. And then, you know, a potential targeting call and it ended up in a turnover when Iowa state was driving and uh, you know, headed for the go ahead score. Uh, unfortunate for them. Uh, you know, Iowa state uh, has just not been able to establish a running game like they've had in the last few years. And, you know, that was their bread and butter. I mean, you know, they got Montgomery is running for the Bears right now. Well, okay, the Bears. But Matt Campbell is 0-4 in the Big 12. Um, his teams play pretty tough in each of those games. But I'll tell you what, um, you know, that's, that's a conference that's upside down. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it's just kind of crazy. Um, no, the, the other game that I spent a lot of time watching was Alabama, Tennessee. And, uh, you know, both teams scored 40 plus points. Um, holy crap. And, uh, you know, then I, that quarterback, uh, Hooker from Tennessee, he's, he's my top pick for the Heisman. I don't, I don't know if they have any of those rankings or whatever, but holy smokes, that kid is just amazing. And um, just flinging it all over the yard. Uh, then they come up with a big play with 15 seconds left, put them in position for a field goal. They kick it and they win. And the goalposts end up in the Tennessee River. Um, you know, good, good for Tennessee. That was, that was a, a crazy game to watch. It was, it was amazing because of all the just I, athletes all over the field. You know, the receivers, yeah. the running backs, everybody all over the place. It was, like, unfair to everybody else. And the two – Bryce Young made so many plays in that game. It was gross. And, it, it, you know, I, I, I hate that guy, but I can't. I mean, he just 
is so smooth the way he moves around in the pocket. He knows how to dodge. He knows how to, you know, go zig when he's supposed to zag. You know, like these guys are missing him all over the place. It was just amazing. And speed, and then Tennessee wins, and everybody's happy. And Josh Heupel is was a uh, former UCF coach. Yeah, we hired the wrong one. I think, but you know, <laughs> go figure this. Go figure this. So you know, the one we hired, you know, was the hottest commodity among coaches during that season. Everybody wanted him, and you know, I don't remember a whole lot of people talking about Josh Heupel. And you know, my guess is I don't remember paying attention at all. But you know, Tennessee fans, I'm sure, weren't real fired up about Josh Heupel when they hired him. Uh, he's done nothing but positive things since he's been there. So, you know, good on him. Um, he, I'll tell you that that team is playing well. They really are. And then you know, I mentioned this in my post game video, but when you look at Tennessee, I mean, look. Look at all the shit they've gone through to get where they are, you know, and it, I, what was it? I mean, we've had Tennessee guys come in and comment and they've commented on the YouTube videos and stuff about how, uh, you know, it was what, 1998, 1999, since they had any really good success in the past too with Phil Fulmer and those things. And they gone through all these coaches and it had to be, you know, Tennessee guy for a while. And then they got over that. And then some hinted at the fact they hired Greg Schiano and the whole <laughs> the whole fucking place, place blew up. Yeah. 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 And, and, and you know what? Now nobody will, will ever be able to tell him again because uh, we all were like, you're crazy with this Greg Shiano thing. And, and they're like, no, we're not. And then they hired this guy and where they are. So, uh, did you, do you ever well, watch? They, they hired somebody before. There was somebody between that who wasn't so successful. So. Oh, who was it? Greg Pruitt? They had Greg Pruitt, uh, I think it was. I don't. I think it's Jeremy Pruitt. I'm not. Yeah. Okay. Who? A Pruitt. A Pruitt, and I think that there were some uh, some NCAA uh, issues with him. As he, they had Lane Kiffin showed him the door. <laughs> they went through a lot. Here. Yeah. Okay. Yo, I, okay, I, a minute. Names here, Todd. We mentioned, well, we mentioned a number of names. Uh, and since people, here, here's the thing. I want to ask you a question. Matt Campbell is 0-4 in the Big 12. When this, so, that other guy got fired at Nebraska, uh, I, don't, I don't feel like saying his name anymore. I really don't. Uh, said would have been probably, the top guy to hire, and now he's open for uh, Deeble still even a candidate at Nebraska? Yeah, I, I think he is. Um, he, he can build a program, and, uh, you know, he brings the right kind of a mindset and the right kind of an attitude. Uh, you know, last year he was one of the hottest commodities, you know, going, you know, one season – doesn't make him all of a sudden a bad coach. Maybe, maybe, you know, you could argue he wasn't as great as uh, everybody, you know, made him out to be. Um, but the guy can recruit the guy. Most importantly, his coaching staff develops players. I mean, you know, those guys have played incredible defense. You know, the Heathcock guy, uh, that assistant coach, he's designed. Now, my, <laughs> here we go, and I'm going down this rabbit hole. He has, <laughs> he has designed a defense that works very, very well in the Big 12. And we know that transitioning from the Big 12 where it's, you know, like basketball on turf flying all over and wings zinging and all that kind of stuff doesn't cut it in the Big, in the big 10. But, you know, Matt Campbell's a legitimate coach. He's good. And, and he, he is a person that can win at a higher level. Now, you know, is is there a little tarnish on the silver? Probably because they're on four. And you know what? That team may end up at the bottom of the Big 12 this year. It's possible because of the way that that conference is going. Um, you know, they're going to have to figure a few things out. But, you know, Dave Aranda sits at three and three. Yeah. You know, I, I still like him as a coach. You know, Lance Leopold, heaven forbid, he got beat last week by – his team got upset, but upset by Oklahoma, you know, um, 
so, you know, what do you think about him now? And and the, the thing about it to me is that <laughs> Nebraska got rid of Scott Frost real early in the season. And so everything has to play out. If they'd have gotten rid of Scott Frost in October, you know, late October, November, then everybody's looking at who's the hottest name out there. And, you know, does that – definitely make that individual, you know, the, the best coach available. I don't know. So I, I watched, uh, I watched Adam Carricker live, Carricker live last night on Facebook. He gets a lot of people. Uh, and he went through a list of coaches names and he asked everybody to say yes or no to them. And, and people said pretty much no to everybody except two guys, Todd, two. And I'll yeah. give you one. You can guess one. Who's the first one that they said yes to? Well, there's no question they said yes to Mickey Joseph. Mickey Joseph, yeah. people are saying yes. And and I wouldn't say no to Mickey Joseph, but and, and but you know, here we go with I bleed Nebraska red and Mickey's a Nebraska guy, and so here we are fawning all over uh, a, a Nebraska graduate. I, I think a lot of them are. And, you know, let's be a little bit more objective than that. Has he done a nice job? So far he has, um, based upon what he had to work with and the circumstances. But I still want to know who else they can attract to this position before we all just jump on the Mickey bandwagon. Who is the other one, John? The other one was shocking that people said yes to. It, it was Lane Kiffin. I was just, I was, I mean, they said no to Matt Campbell, Bill O'Brien. I mean, all these coaches. And then, and then they say yes, Lane Kiffin. And I got to believe it's, we're sticking familiar just because, you know, mom coached at Nebraska. Well, Monty Kiffin ago. was here. Monty <laughs> Kiffin was at Nebraska. And Lane Kiffin grew up in Nebraska or some damn thing. I mean, my God. I, you know, I'm not, Pretty soon I'm not be horrified. Three cotton boys that we can bring back. <laughs> Barney's boys, let's bring back a cotton. Okay, I posted in the uh, I posted in the chat a link to the what was it the Schick Nick I can't remember the show. Anyway, it was a, it's a interview with Mickey Joseph about why he became a coach, why he didn't want to go to Nebraska, why he came back back to Nebraska, his candidacy, what he sits not him. Uh, I didn't get the chance to listen to it, but you can. Uh, the other thing I'm real quick again is we're doing a giveaway of t-shirts and there's that link and there you go. Go to the coordinate. By the way, with the coordination starts, I'm still figuring out what I'm doing there. Uh, I'm trying to figure sizes to offer and clothing to offer. If you're a female and you're watching this, could you send me ideas, send me email coordination at gmail.com or I don't know, figure out how to contact me and let me know. There's a contact thing. I'm on the web page. Hey, you John, just say, John, what should John, I have John. for women's clothing? Pin, pin that question from Blaine Cole. Cole, I can't, don't have my glasses on. Coldy. <laughs> yeah, well, I wasn't good. Well, I thought that might be Blaine a Cole. Question. Blaine Cole says, who would you say is the most influential Nebraskan into your lifetime? For me, it's a toss-up between Tom Osborne and Fee Waybill. Speedway Bill, who I think he is. I don't. At one time, I think I knew who Speedway Bill was. Speedway Bill, I, I think, is the uh, the lead singer of the the Tubes, isn't it? It is the lead singer of the Tubes. Oh my He's God! Nebraskan? I didn't. That's not right, is it? They're from England, aren't the Tubes from England? Songwriter, blah, 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 blah. We're looking it up on Wikipedia. Fee Weibel. Oh, my God. Born September 17th, 1950, age 72, Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, when Todd and I were living in Shram, on Shram 6, uh, the tubes released that, uh, uh, come on, the Upside Down principle at the back. What was it called? I can't God, remember. It. it was a great album, though. I love the tubes. Yeah, the tubes. Uh, talk to you later. 
That was the yeah. big song. And what we did was, with you know, if you've ever been to the Harper Shram Smith courtyard, uh, we would take our stereos and put it out into the courtyard, and we would start like eight windows or four windows full of the tubes and try to time it. So everybody started talk to you later at the same time, and we would, you know, blast this all over the place. And uh, yeah, the tubes are so uh, it's a toss up between Tom Osborne and Fee Waybill. Well, now it used to be Tom Osborne and Warren Buffett, but now I'm thinking Fee Waybill was right up there, man. I didn't realize he was a Nebraskan. I didn't Holy either. shit, that changes everything. Well, wait, what about Jenny Thomas? Who's that? <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> I would to answer Blaine's question. To answer his question, um, Tom Osborne certainly is is the one that I would choose. <laughs> oh, let's see. What I had some questions up here. Okay, Jack the Ripper says, "What is with Whipple, crabby old man, at, mad at Casey all the time?" Well, we'll leave that up there a minute. Uh, okay, well, you know, I think Krabby Old Man is redundant, uh, mostly, 90% uh, of the time. So that's just kind of a wash there. Mad at Casey all the time. Okay, I, here, I pointed out Bryce Young earlier and his movement in the pocket. If there's one thing Casey Thompson could improve on, it's having any kind of pocket prize. I mean, he's got two tackles. They, they're not even tackles. Somebody earlier recommended that maybe they put a tight end in a tackle so they could move around. And I thought, yeah. well, I mean, that's not a bad idea. Exactly. Well, maybe they should I'm try that. I mean, you, you know that Purdue, they swapped the lineup quite a bit, except for Trent Hickson, who seems to be uh, playing pretty well at center. I mean, they, they, moved, they moved stuff around, and uh, I a tight end there, but – I think Matt at Casey, Casey does two things. I think he hangs onto the ball too long and he doesn't step, he doesn't move around in the pocket as well as he could have. And that's probably, that's why he would be mad at him other than just being an old man. And, you know, I spend, know, I spend uh, 76% of my time angry. Well, I'll come back and answer that question, but I want to salute John Sanders. Now, John Sanders, if you're the redheaded former Nebraska baseball coach back from the dead, hello. But when you talk about influential Nebraskans, Malcolm X, I would agree with you definitely on Malcolm X. And, hey, you know, Gerald Ford, he he had a little bit of influence, too. I mean, he pardoned Richard Nixon. Um, but uh, anyway, nonetheless, crabby old man, Mr. Whipple. I mean, if your name was Whipple, and if you got in trouble every time you grabbed onto some toilet paper because you couldn't help yourself and squeeze it a little bit, you know, that fluffy Charmin stuff, you'd be crabby too, damn it. Here's what I think. He is, he looks at Casey Thompson as a son. And dads get all over their son's butts. I mean, you can never be good enough for your father. And Whipple Whipple has a lot of faith and a lot of trust in Casey Thompson. And so, therefore, he's going to hold him accountable. And his old man style, his crabby old man style, is to chew his ass when he isn't coming through. That's a generational thing, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to go through some of these. Okay. Come on. Let's go to pinned messages. Uh, Doomsday. Hey, Diesel says, I hate that they can't call something like targeting during a review just because they didn't throw a flag, flag initially. Kind of defeats the point of trying to keep the kids safe. Actually, they can. They can. If I remember the rules right, they can call targeting. Uh, a guy from up, up above, God yep. of the officials, can buzz down and call, call targeting after a play. Yep. Uh, I'm not sure what you're – what is he referencing there? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, targeting is kind of – targeting – watching the NFL – I watch the NFL a lot more than I ever have. I've mentioned that before because my family plays fantasy football, and and uh, I don't know. I guess we've gotten into the NFL. But it, it, trying to interpret NFL rules is like being a lawyer on the field. They're just annoying. And I think targeting, when you look at the college rules – 
targeting has to be the most annoying rule of all because is there eight or nine positions of defenses player? I want to say there's nine different there's nine different definitions of what makes a defenseless player a defenseless player. And that's very key when you're calling targeting. And then you get into all the other stuff, leading with the crown of the head, blow to the, you know, if you're defenseless and you, you get a blow to the head or neck area, it's targeting. If you're not defenseless and somebody leads with the crown of the head, what we used to call spearing years ago, that would be targeting. Yeah. But it's not, it isn't called consistently. And everybody, you know what, if you go all over college football, watch these games, everybody everywhere is up the officiating. And, and I don't know. Todd, there was an incident this last week. Did we talk about this last week? You're going to have to tell me what it is. The third base. Did we talk about oh, the third yeah. base thing, Malkin? Yeah. Did we talk yeah. about that before? We didn't talk about it on our show because I didn't find what? out about it Wait. until like Thursday. Well, what? okay. And and <laughs> being This a is kind of a sidestep off of the other issues, but – uh, that's what happens. Explain to people what we're referencing. Well, okay. So in, in the Nebraska State softball tournament, I think in Class C, Malcolm was playing against – might have been Class B. I don't know. Malcolm was playing against uh, Wahoo. And um, Malcolm had runners on – well, they might have had bases loaded. I know that for sure they had runners on second and third, and they had their batter um, attempt to suicide squeeze. And um, so she executed it and, you know, the runner's coming home from third, obviously. And, you know, the defense is in all likelihood going to throw the ball to first base to try to get her out on the suicide squeeze. But the runner from second, actually, you know, she started out towards third base and then she cut it short a good 10 to 15 feet. She cut it short. And she was nowhere close to third base. She made that hard left turn and just starts coming to home and ends up beating the throwback, you know, and, and scoring. And, you know, people were in an uproar about that because <laughs> that is that was something that was taught. That was something that was taught to the players by the coach. Um, you don't just, you know, runners, high school girls, softball players are not going to just you know, shear off 15 feet um, and and um, skip skip touching third base. And so, you know, there was a big hullabaloo because people had video of this and they started posting it on Twitter and stuff like that. And, you know, the response was really pretty negative. Oh, there were a few people out there that were saying, you know, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying and that kind of garbage, that kind of crap. But um, the good thing about it is, is that Malcolm ended up getting beat but a lot of people were ripping the referees, ripping the, ripping the umpires. They were very, very critical of the umpires. And in fact, when I first saw it, and again, I saw it on a dinky little screen, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, well, what the hell was the umpire doing? Why wasn't the umpire paying attention? And then it was pointed out to me that the umpire was paying attention, and it's not the umpire's call. The umpire made right. the right call on the first girl who came home, and he called her safe. The second girl missed third base, which he knew. And even if she'd have been running and you know, and actually went towards third base and maybe stepped over it, she missed third base. But it's not for the umpire to call, make that call. The defensive team has to appeal the play. And no one from Wahoo appealed the play. And who knows if anybody from Wahoo, any of the coaches of the players or anybody else saw that girl cut that base short. Maybe some fans did, but nobody appealed the play. And so therefore, when the next pitch is thrown, it's too late. It's yeah, that's that's decided. I I think the reason why I had Todd explain that is is we're all upset with officiating and we're very, I mean, when you go across the board, you go to every conference, the big 12 complains about their officials, the PAC 12, you know, SEC, I don't think as much maybe, but the big 10, we're all over the place about the officials. And I, I think that that issue right there where people are in a, what was it? High school, you know, those yeah, guys aren't going to move up the ladder. 
Those guys, if if you're not coming up with referees in sixth grade that are doing sixth grade and eighth grade football and that are going to move up the ladder, if you think the officiating's terrible now, they're going to have like four officials that want to be officials in about 15 years, and it's going to be non-existent. I realize you could say this is a whole different subject. Wow, I went down this rabbit hole. Uh, you could say, well, maybe they could come up with electronic ways of figuring out how to put ball. Wow, I'm going off the deep end. You're supposed to pull me back now. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> measuring well, how to measure the downs and how to measure the things electronically. And I honestly have looked at that from an engineering standpoint. I know I'm not an electrical engineer. I have electrical engineers in my family. Uh, it's it, If they somebody could do that now, they would have. Uh, well, okay, let's the reality. One, one thing about officials, the one reality is, is that at least at the high school level and the youth level, they are increasingly hard to find. And people are going to have to get off the officials ass if they want to have officials there. And, you know, there are schools already in the Midwest that are forced to cancel games or move games because there are not enough officials to call the games. So people are going to have to, uh, people are going to have to uh, ease up on the way they treat officials. Linda says, John, step away from the BS. She's your wow, conscience, that's what John. I, that's what, isn't it? Uh, doggone it. I, <laughs> wait, wait, I am missing a met. I am missing one. I wanted to pick up here. Uh, oh, here it is. It's from, it's from Blaine Cole. I'm no football know-it-all, but are there no dedicated fullbacks on the Husker roster? No, there are not. There, there are very few fullbacks in existence. Uh, they're they're pretty much a, a dying species. What you have instead are things they call H backs, but they don't. Nebraska's offense, I don't think, really features an H back. But normally, it's a it's a guy who splits time between being a glorified fullback. Uh, and who also plays tight end, and they'll move him into the, you know, as a lead blocker once in a while. But no, there's no fullbacks. Yeah. No fullbacks. Just, just for a moment, if if you're one of those 40. guys, if you're one of those guys who thinks we could help out the offensive line by having a lead blocker or a fullback, uh, I think you're. That's not right. And the reason why it's not right is if you put a fullback into the backfield. Uh, you're, all you're doing is making the defense bring another guy into the box. Whereas you take more wide receivers and you split them out wide, the defense have to cover those people. And I think in Nebraska's case, we've seen what happens when a defense is incapable of covering Trey Palmer. Uh, so, you know, using a fullback, if you're thinking we should go back to power rushing or we should go back to, you know, some kind of old offense that we ran years ago, I still – I'm not for that just because of that. We don't have we don't have an offensive line that can block barely at all. We couldn't run the ball really well against Purdue. And quite frankly, Purdue, you know, at the end of that game, if you wanted to see one issue you have uh he has a problem closing out games himself. You know, Purdue fans are very kind of angry with him because at the end of games he sends tends to keep passing the ball instead of uh running out the clock. So yeah. Okay. All right. And here we go. The river, a bad offense line should be countered by, by draw plays, pitches, and screens, none of which NU does. Those delayed draws earlier in the game against Purdue. And I think uh, – I I don't think they did that well, but I, you're right, Jack. I, I would have liked to have seen some of the delayed handoffs, stuff like that. But we're not running a lot of the – You'd think we'd, we'd do trips to one side and do those bubble screens or wide receiver screens, but I, I don't know why we're not doing that. Maybe we'll do it more as time goes on. You know, uh, Purdue added that, from what the announcer said, Purdue added that little quick pitch that they used so effectively, you know, uh, due to the way Nebraska was playing defense. And, you know, I'm not an X's and O guy enough to know um, whether that would work under other circumstances, but – um, yeah, sometimes you kind of wonder uh, how much uh, of the play calling is being done to 
help out the offensive line. I don't. Again, I don't know. Wait, wait. MK, what's your thoughts on teams getting around scholarships limits with nil dollars and this thing we should try? I didn't know that was a thing. Did you, Todd? I haven't heard of anybody not giving players scholarships and bringing them on campus as walk-ons and a ton of nil money. I mean, that's how I would interpret that, and I haven't heard of that. I haven't heard of it either. MK, if, you, if you've got a, an instance in which that happened, please please let us know, and we'll look into it. And, and here's our next topic, Todd. Darian Butler says, do you think Nebraska can still make a bowl game? Love your content, guys. Thank you, Darian. Yes. I always appreciate compliments. <laughs> yes, like they, can make, they can make a bowl game. They need three wins. Are there three wins out there? I don't know. But they get three wins, they're in a bowl game. Okay, if they get two, make. Five and seven probably gets you into a bowl if you're Nebraska because everybody out there would go, oh, my God, those people haven't been to a bowl game. They have, like, baskets and barrels full of cash for bowl. We need them. Everybody out there that runs a bowl game is like, God, please get more wins. We will pay refs off for them to beat somebody. <laughs> okay, what what do we got left? We Illinois. We got Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota. Iowa, right? Not in that order. I don't know when the Michigan game is. To know your schedule. The only game I'm going to say right now, I I can't. I don't think we can beat Michigan. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but those other games, who knows? So you think we can beat Illinois? Well, yeah, I think we could. How are we going to beat Illinois, Todd? Chase Brown was core offensive player of the week. Outscore them. (laughs) Score more points than they do. You know what? You know what I I think right now about – we're supposed to get into this more next week, but thinking about this today. uh, Illinois, the way Illinois will beat Nebraska is Illinois will have 48 – they'll have like 48 minutes of possession. We'll have like, I don't know, 12. Well, but look at look at Purdue. We got beat by six points. They ran twice as many plays as Nebraska did, and they held onto the ball almost twice as much time as Nebraska did. And they still, they still almost won the game. Now, is Joel Pilsen is, says Illinois lost to Indiana. That's a good point. Go ahead, Todd. I'm sorry. Well, you know, is 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 Trey Palmer going to be good for 247 or 97 or however many yards every week? No, but you know, there's some there's some weapons with that offense. I think the bigger, I think what's going to determine whether or not Nebraska has a chance to win any more games is if Casey Thompson can walk out onto the football field under his own power. <laughs> That's probably true. <sighs> okay, Michigan's a loss. Wisconsin is well. They like. Did you watch the Michigan State game at all? I saw some of it. Yeah. What'd you think? Well, I was a little surprised. I thought I thought Wisconsin was going to win the game, and then it was kind of like Wisconsin quit playing. Is what I thought. <laughs> I didn't. That that's the key. I think it's going to be. Uh, is is Wisconsin going to actually want to keep playing football by the time we play him? And that that's going to be whether or not Jim Leonard can bring his team together the way that Mickey Joseph has brought Nebraska together. I think Wisconsin a very winnable game. Minnesota, you're that Minnesota expert. Well, come on, I'm just looking for your thought there. Well, I you know again they haven't dazzled me. I mean. <laughs> I, I honestly think that Nebraska can compete against Illinois, against Minnesota, against Wisconsin, and against Iowa. I think they can compete. Just Nebraska played against those same teams last year, 
and we're within one score of all of them. And we had Jojo Doman and Cam Taylor Britt. Okay, but I get that. I get it. But I think Nebraska. This Purdue game, this Purdue game would have been a completely different game if Jojo Doman was still on the field. It would have been. I, you saw the way that our linebackers played. We had, you know, missing Luke Reimers. Who was it? Went out early. New Henrich New went out early. I mean, you know, they're playing a true freshman for God's sakes. That linebacker. Uh, yeah. Okay. I think Minnesota, I think it's up to the fact that uh, is Minnesota going to have a brain fart game because they do that. And, and P.J. Fleck just brain farts sometimes too. Iowa, I think, is very beatable just because they don't have an offense and we have a we, we can put the ball in the air. I think we have, again, really good receivers just beyond, uh, Trey, beyond Trey Palmer. Marcus Washington, I think, is pretty good. Uh, can we make a bowl game? Let's put a percentage on it. Percentage on making a bowl game? Yeah. 40 49 percent 49 i am writing this down all of you out there write this down todd says 49 percent probability that nebraska makes a bowl game it's going into the is it possible yes i was gonna is say it probable no no okay <laughs> I am I am choosing I am choosing positivity. Stop having your cake so and eating it too. Make a decision. <laughs> I am making a decision. 49% okay. chance. Can they beat Illinois? I'm, yes. Can they beat Wisconsin? Yes. Can they beat Iowa? Yes. Can they beat Minnesota? Yes. Can they beat Michigan? Hell no. I am going with a 60% probability, Todd, a 60% probability that Nebraska gets into a bowl game, even if it's a five and seven. And if you're one of those people who's like, well, we shouldn't take a bowl for a five and seven, you can kiss my ass because <laughs> we just, just get to a bowl game, do something, you know, get out there, do things. Okay. Uh, Blaine Cole says, good point, Todd, possible versus probable. You know, that's what I use when I'm doing diagnosis on IT problems. Is, is it possible? Yeah, but is the probability high or low? And that's what we focus on first. Uh, living in, let's see, living in Omaha, David Madney says 50%. Come on, come on, David, pick, pick a side. Uh, oh, my God, Ralph Davis writes a long thing. We'll look at that. What? Wait a minute. Doomsday Diesel, don't forget the Michigan game is the inaugural rivalry trophy game should get us pumped. What? What? Am I missing? What is that? Yeah. We is got a trophy, trophy game? Oh, my God. This is probably going to be some – I hope it's a good jo joke. Explain Expand that, Diesel guy. Doomsday Diesel, please let us know more there. Joe Tilson says, I think that the Huskers will be 7-5. and five. That would be glorious. Oh, man. Uh, we'll party at your house. You're buying the beer if that happens, Joel. Bussing with the boys trophy. Oh, that's right. You, re you remember oh, that? God. Oh, God. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Will Compton and uh, Taylor Lewan. Yeah. Uh, like okay, let's do this. Phil Spears says, I want with John smoking. I can't smoke anything. I can eat it, though. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go with this long thing here. Ralph Davis, eyeball test, Big Ten ranking. Uh, number one, Ohio State. Two, University of Michigan, full beast mode. Three, PSU, Penn State. They're mad as hell at Franklin. Uh, number four, Illinois, solid defense. Top Big Ten running back and quality quarterback. You know, D uh, Danny DeVito, even though he's as short as he is, played really well. He he hit some balls that I you know threw some passes that I didn't think that uh, he could uh, he get it was not a good day speech tonight at supper okay the family made fun of me a lot for mispronouncing just about everything five Maryland I don't know about that Purdue I think you know I'd probably move Purdue up above Maryland uh, number seven Mo 
Minnesota, yeah, it's not a bad list. Uh, okay. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce that. How would you pronounce that, Todd? Come on, man. Give Tommy some respect. That's by Owie. O-Y. Owie. Tommy DeVito. Okay, Danny DeVito, Tommy DeVito. You know what I mean? The Penn State, the Illinois quarterback. Uh, which, by the way, I, Tanner Morgan, while well, I mentioned that earlier, he got injured. He has uh, not been ruled out of um, the Penn State game yet. But, um, uh, okay, Blaine Cole has to leave us. Take care of yourself, Blaine Cole, and thanks for showing up every, every week. Uh, tell, send us a story about Japan, what you do in Japan. Uh, what else we got? We still have eight and a half minutes, Todd. Well, let's talk, you know, there's some good questions. You keep pinning some questions, but you know, we have talked a little bit about, you know, coaches and, you know, Mickey Joseph, I think if, if we step back and analyze what he's done, um, he has, he has somewhat salvaged a season that was headed down down the drain. I mean, there's no question. And the fact that he's gotten a couple of wins and the fact that the team, you know, the team played hard and the team scrapped and the team fought um, Saturday night against Purdue. Now, you know, they've got a week off, another week to kind of regroup, kind of gather themselves a little bit. You know, granted, Illinois has the same. But, you know, that's going to be a real test for him. And I mentioned it earlier in the podcast, uh, you know, that Brett Bielema, you know, his his teams are noted for being, you know, just tough, mean, physical SOBs. And it's going to be a true challenge for Nebraska. And I think that we will learn a lot about the influence that Mickey Joseph is having on his players based upon how they come out and, and fight and finish through that game. You know, it wasn't that long ago when we had a – was it a defensive coordinator that was shocked about how physical Iowa was? And, you know, even throughout the question that, man, if they go ones and ones against practice, how, do, you know, how does anybody get off the practice field? You know, that type of thing. So, you know, the Big Ten is physical football. And Mickey Joseph, I think his biggest challenge was changing mindset. And, and he'll tell you that, too, and developing a culture. You know, the former guy talked culture all the time. I'm still trying to figure out what the hell culture he was trying to establish. But is Mickey Joseph in the running to be the next Nebraska football coach? I think deservedly so. Is he the guy that I want to see as the next head football coach? Let's see how the season plays out, and let's see who else is in the mix. Vince Watson says Mickey has more Big Ten head coaching experience than all Big 12 coaches. Everyone keeps being up. Well. Okay. <laughs> oh, you know what was True. interesting? And the other thing interesting about Adam Carricker live was uh, uh, he said that Lance Leopold was the one he sent his recruiting tape to. Keep that in mind. Huh? You want a Nebraska connection. Somebody in here, I'm looking for the question, asked about the offensive line. Uh, what do we think it is? Uh, is it it's a talent or is it coaching? Uh, I think, I think honestly, it, it, all of this stuff has to come together. I, I know that we get into this easy button stuff where we want to we want to come down to one thing. We want to have everything on a bumper sticker. Some guy wrote a book about. Everything I learned, no, I learned before kindergarten. That guy was a complete bullshit artist because he's wrong. Uh, you know, here's the thing. The, the offensive line has, has three or four issues, and I don't think they're fixable this season unless they can just find the right combo of guys to put on the field and so they can move in such a way. Uh, first of all, number one, they have a weight problem. They have a strength and conditioning problem. I think Zach Duvall, the guy that's in charge of S&C strength and conditioning, just wanted to make guys big and strong, and they are, are big and strong, but they can't move for shit. They're not athletic at all. I, we always right. bring up Bryce Benhart, 
Bryce Benhart belongs in a guard more than he does tackle. I don't. The other thing was a recruiting evaluation of players. It almost looks like, like we don't have any tackles. But so we have the whole team full of like 20 offensive linemen that are all interior linemen and they're not tackles. You know, the two t- guard and the tackle, they have to have different abilities to move. All right. So you got strength and conditioning. I think that's been terrible. Uh, Zach Duvall needs to go away at the end of the season. Get, we need to find a guy that can do a good job. Uh, so you got strength and conditioning. You got coaching. And, and I, I, okay, fine. I mentioned this on the show with Greg and Haas. Uh, you know, I, I asked Matt Slauson what he thought. Matt Slauson was one of my favorite linemen in the last 20 years. And, and he said that he watched, you know, last year that Greg Gostin was coaching them correctly. But then when they got into games, they'd freeze up and make mistakes. And the reason why that happens is because teams don't trust each other. There's not confidence in your teammates. There's not confidence in the coaching staff. And there's not confidence in the game plan. That's why you can be coached correctly and still have problems when you get out and it's time to perform. So you got strength and conditioning and coaching. And then you got players. And then I don't know, Todd, scheme maybe. But gee, all those things have to align. all have to come together. They do. They do. You're, you're very, you're, and you've hit on it too, which I think is, is become more and more evident is their confidence, their self-confidence, their mental toughness. And I'm not saying that in a negative, but you know, those guys are reading everything that we're saying. Those guys hear it all. And you know, they've been whipped so many different times and they've been whipped in so many different ways that when they walk out onto that field, you know, they're, you know, you can say all you want about being fired up and, and you know, having some, you know, energy and, and enthusiasm. Very important. But if you aren't confident that you can win the battle against the guy across from you more than you lose that battle, then it's going to be a long day for you. And, you know, people have shown that clip of where both of our tackles just absolutely get embarrassed with these guys making an outside move. And they met at Casey Thompson. But you got to have confidence in yourself and you got to have confidence in the guy, you know, next to you. And, and I think, you know, Damon Benning, you know, before he left the air on the morning show, the last two weeks when I was listening to him, he kept talking about the mental makeup of this team that they had to instill confidence. And Mickey Joseph knows that. And he's working very, very hard to do that. Well, I, during the pandemic, I brought this up before. I'll bring it up again. During the pandemic, I did a lot of, I did like weekly interviews with Jamarcus Hardrick because he wasn't playing in the CFL at that time. And we did talk a lot about the mentality of being an offensive lineman because uh, sometimes we're, you're going up against a guy. He's better than you. And it really, you have to figure out how you're going to play in that case. I mean, you have to figure out how you're still going to protect your quarterback and how you're going to execute. So there is a lot of the mentality that goes into those things. I mean, it, it's on this channel. Those interviews are on the channel. So you can go out there and uh, go back to when I was interviewing or talking with uh, Yoshi. Uh, that guy, he was a great guy. Uh, okay. Uh, let's see. What? It's Sam Matney says, living in Omaha, David Matney, hey, Dad, is that real? What the hell? Are we having family reunions here on the the therapy show? Well, now we could turn it into a Dr. Phil-like episode. Well, it sounds like maybe they, they, sounds like maybe they have problems they need to work they're, 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 they're swapping steak grilling here on our show. Well, hey, that's good. That's good. <sighs> All right, let's see. Uh, perpetual happy hour. Fred Sacco says the form of coach's culture was perpetual happy hour. And uh, that's, you know, that's unfortunately true. I guess, uh, let's see. Is there anything else? You know, I don't think so. Okay. All right, David Matney, living in Omaha, David Matney says, how do we buy a coronation power beating up winning? It is it is actually, so other people pointed this out, but you can go here and pick up our swag. That's what the kids call it, isn't it? Swag, Todd? Well, it was. Is that an acronym? It was 10 years ago. I don't know if it still is. You know, time passes me by. Bling? 
I think that was 20 years ago. <laughs> we'll come up with a new term. Okay. All right, Corn, and uh, join the join the uh, the what the hell the thing there is the giveaway. Uh, maybe maybe next week I'll be able to actually pronunciate things, enunciate things, enunciate. There you go. Enunciate. <laughs> All right, you got. Is that that it? That's it, isn't it? Well, I think that's it. I'm getting kind of tired. Good night, John. <laughs> Good night.